Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio, as today we launch into a study in Revelation chapter 11. You know, Revelation chapter 11 on the surface of things looks like one of the easier chapters in the book of Revelation. There aren't these kind of monstrous looking things coming out of the abyss and all this. And it's just talking about the temple and measuring the temple and the holy city and a couple of witnesses. It looks pretty easy. And you know what? This is a very challenging chapter to interpret in the book of Revelation, and many commentators mention this fact. And one of the good things that's going to come out of our study in Revelation chapter 11, it's going to force us again to look at our overall approach to interpreting the book of Revelation, because really that's what you want to grasp. And there are those who in a very sanctimonious fashion, say you have to take this literally. You have to interpret the Bible literally. And some say, no, that's not going to work because, you know, it talks about these two witnesses that are lampstands and olive trees. So, I mean, are you talking about something like the Ents and the Lord of the Rings walking around witnessing? No, of course not. That's figurative. So there's figurative and then there's literal And then there's a third path, which I've tried to advocate, and that's scriptural. In other words, one of the things we want to do in the book of Revelation is go back into the Old Testament and see how this imagery is used in the Old Testament, because that's very much in John's mind. And then the other thing we want to do is not have to divide ourselves between, is this message of the book of Revelation for the seven churches in Asia Minor in the first century, or does it have something to do with our day and and the end of history? And rather than having to choose and to divorce those two options, we have both and eschatology. Yes, it is initially historically addressed to these seven churches in Asia Minor in the first century, but it has a lot to say about the end of time as well. So here we go. Revelation chapter 11. I'm just going to read the first two verses because this is going to be challenging enough. Then I was giving a measuring rod like a staff, and I was told, rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship there. But do not measure the court outside the temple. Leave that out, for it is given over to the nations, and they will trample over the holy city for 42 months." And I will grant my two witnesses power to prophesy for 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. Well, today I'd like us to just tackle two subjects. What's the temple and what are we talking about for these 1,260 days? Now, the futurists, especially the dispensationalists, and those are those believing that the rapture can occur at any moment, understand by these opening verses in Revelation 11 that sometime during the Great Tribulation, a Jewish temple will be rebuilt in the holy city, mentioned in verse 2, Jerusalem, and Jewish worship will be reinstituted, 
and those who worship there, since the Christian church will have been raptured, according to their theory, that those who are worshiping in this rebuilt temple are a remnant of believing ethnic Jews. So that's the literal futurist dispensational view of this. Then there's the preterist view, and the preterist view is the ones that take everything very historical and kind of cut out any future application of the historical text. So the preterist understanding of Revelation 11 takes a somewhat literal approach as well. They view this as a literal temple, literal altar, literal literal worshipers in an actual temple complex in the first century that was destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD. So in other words, it's literal, but it's not future, but it's past. And again, this may sound very uh, inspirational to take it literal until you start seeing that, uh, well, the witnesses are two olive trees and two lampstands. Are they lampstands walking around talking? No, they're actual people, and it's using figurative language to describe them. There is figurative language in here. And by the way, the idea of the olive trees and the lampstands comes straight from Zechariah chapter 4. So again, we want to use the Old Testament to try to apply this. Now, I'm taking from um, Dr. Peter Williamson's commentary on the book of Revelation, and this is from the Baker Catholic Commentary Series, which I do recommend, particularly Dr. Williamson's volume. And he says this, since none of the other 15 uses of temple in Revelation speak of the Jerusalem temple, which the Romans destroyed in AD 70, it is unlikely that that's the meaning here. It's also unlikely that it's God's temple in heaven because it mentions the outer court trampled by the Gentiles. Well, the Gentiles aren't trampling the heavenly court of the temple. And since the book of Revelation addresses the situation in Asia Minor, what does the temple in Jerusalem have to do with these primarily uh, Gentile Christians? Well, it's Jewish and Gentile Christians in Asia Minor. So, we have to think of something other than some, a physical temple in Jerusalem. At least that's the challenge that I'm putting out. And I'd like to start with using the New Testament at this point to help us understand when we see temple mentioned in the book of Revelation. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16, St. Paul asks this question. Do you not know that you are God's temple, and that God's Spirit dwells in you. In other words, the glory of God was over the Old Testament tabernacle, then it was over the Old Testament temple, but now in the New Covenant, God inhabits his church. You corporately are God's temple. And this is described even further in St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. I'm reading from chapter 2, starting with verse 19. This is very important. So then you are no longer strangers, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Now here's the the building metaphors. Built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone 
in whom the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built into it for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. I submit to you what we're reading here in Revelation chapter 11 is exactly that. And Ephesians 2 and 1 Corinthians 3 is just a little simpler to to understand when we see this. And the idea of measuring the temple comes straight from the closing chapters of the prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel was told to measure the temple. And here, because we know what's coming, at least I've read ahead, and the beast is going to arise. It it speaks about it right here in Revelation 11. That's the Antichrist. And so trouble is on the horizon. It's just a little preview that really bad trouble is about to occur. And the measuring of the temple is marking off the Christian believers before the seventh trumpet is sounded. Very similar to what we've read in Revelation 7 and Revelation 9, that the believers are sealed and protected by God before the final hammer is about to fall. Well, it's the same thing. Before the seventh trumpet blows, that the people of God, God's temple, God's household, are measured and marked off. Okay? Now for something thoroughly confusing. It says that the measure the temple for it's given over to the nations and they will trample over the holy city for 42 months. And I will grant my two witnesses power to prophesy for 1,260 days. Now, what is the 42 months? And this one gets a little, little bit difficult here, but let's try to make it as simple as we can. Revelation chapter 11, verses 2 and 3. In verse 2, it mentions 42 months. In verse 3, it mentions 1,260 days. These are simply synonyms. It's, it's two ways to say the exact same thing because 1,260 days is 42 months. 42 months is 1,260 days. So it's talking about the same thing. Now, it gets a little further down the line that if we turn the chapter to Revelation ahead, looking ahead, we find, again, the 1,260 days is mentioned in Revelation 12 and verse 6, and then in Revelation 12 and verse 14, it mentions a time period as this, time, times, and half a time. I'll say that again, time, times, and a half a time. This is three and a half years. Three and a half years equals 42 months. 42 months equals 1,260 days. It's three ways to say the exact same thing, with the exception in the next chapter, chapter 12, when it says time, times, and a half time, this three and a half year period, This comes straight from the prophet Daniel. In Daniel 7, it's talking about the world kingdoms followed by the kingdom of Christ. And then it's mentioned twice in Daniel chapter 12. This three and a half year period where St. Michael is mentioned coming on the scene to rescue God's people. Now, 
historians and radical preterists tell us that Daniel, right before we get to chapter 12, and remember there were no chapter divisions back then, it was just a a next paragraph, but right before Daniel 12, when it talks about this time, times, and a half a time, it's basically half of seven, so it's a short time. Seven's the perfect amount of time. This is cut in half. But before we get to St. Michael, there's an evil ruler arising, and scholars will tell us this is Antiochus Epiphanes, which arose and took over the worship of Jerusalem for about three and a half years. He was the prototype of the coming Antichrist and the Great Tribulation. And he's a prototype of both the Romans destroying Jerusalem in 70 AD and the Great Tribulation at the end of history. See, a preterist isn't really a radical preterist. They'll say, well, some actually are. They'll say Daniel 11 only refers to Antiochus Epiphanes. The only problem with that is pretty clear that Jesus is also referring to that, using Antiochus as a prototype of the Antichrist. And so if you go between Antiochus and the B.C. days, you go for the Romans in 70 A.D., and the Great Tribulation at the End of History. The Navarre Bible, which I have recommended, a Catholic study Bible, saying this is using Old Testament imagery and language originating with Daniel. And so the author of Revelation is pointing out, just as Jesus did in Mark 13, that the destruction of Jerusalem and the catastrophes which accompany it are a sign and symbol of the end of the world. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 93 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy and to order copies of Luke 21 broadcasts, visit us online at luke21.com.